the other night, it is evident, Tiki, here on The Fan, and we will get back to your calls, but the other night I read a stat that kind of boggled my mind, and I'm very curious your reaction to this. Last night, or I should say Monday night, Troy Aikman called his 493rd game as an NFL color analyst. Oh, that sounds crazy. That is now <laughs> tied for second most in the history of football, trailing only John Madden, who has the record of 576. So he's about 83 games away from Madden, which figure he'll get to in what, like six, seven years, something like that? Yeah, something like that. 17 games for six years. So he retired. I feel like, when did Troy retire? Um, John Madden retired in 2009, but remember he was doing NBC at that point. Yeah, yeah, but when did Troy retire from the NFL? I think 99 or 2. I think it was 99. I I crossed over with him. And then he immediately, didn't he start broadcasting immediately? 2001. 2001, he retired. 2001, yep. he retired, and he so he must have been in the booth right away. By the way, I love Tiki. I think I crossed over him a little bit. There was at least eight giant cowboys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just don't remember him. I remember Emmett. I remember because I would stand up and watch Emmett just right. to, just because he's, he's Emmett Smith. Yeah, you're the running back. You're right, paying exactly. attention. I just don't remember playing against Troy. I know I did, but I just don't remember. I don't know why. I don't know if it's like as you get older. Things like time moves so quick, but the idea that Troy Aikman has called as an analyst more games than any other person besides John Madden is insane to me. Yeah. Like, I couldn't believe what they keep past Phil Sims, which I was stunned by. Does that stun you guys? Well, I mean, I think Phil, you got to remember, Phil's been in the, in the studio for a minute now. But right. that time has flown by. They pulled him out, it feels like, five minutes ago, but truthfully, it was like five, six right. years ago. Right, so he's he hasn't had... Five years of of calling games, sixteen a year, or now seventeen a year. So that he, you could see why Troy would just shoot past him and fly past him. Yeah. Plus the playoffs you throw in because he's always been the number one crew, right? Right. Troy's. I think didn't he start as the number one crew? Yeah, he did. So he did all of the playoff games, all of the all of the big Troy. Moments. You're talking about? Yeah. No, no. Troy started as the second team while Madden and Summerall was still there with Collinsworth as the other analyst with him, and I believe Buck. They were and by the way, team. Chris Collinsworth is fifth on this list at mm. 462, and he's still going. So I think Troy Aikman's going to eventually pass John Madden. And no offense to Troy, does any of us view Troy Aikman with the same reverence mm. that we have for well, a guy a, like John Madden? I think it's a different presentation. I think that's why. Because when you when you get Troy, you get you, you just get a lot of analyzing what's going on. Like, right. This just happened. This is what's going on, you know, on the field. This is why he did that. Whereas with John Madden, it you'd get stuff like Oh, look how big that tackle's legs are. <laughs> Boom! Man, he's got a he's got a big gut. Man. And then all of a sudden he'd use that to be like, well, that's why he road grinded that the other <laughs> deep tackle. Right. So it was just it was just kind of like, I don't know, fun, not necessarily football conversation that led to football conversation. Maybe it's also for me and for a lot of people listening, I grew up with John Madden. Like yeah. that is my youth. So I think of him. In this, you know, but you also know way. him in so many different capacities. Right? Yeah. The like, video game, yeah. <laughs> seriously, every generation knows him for something else. Well, right? from a from coach to to well, actually player. Right? Uh oh, we're we doing got? this now before your Met chat blows up. Go ahead. The Mets have acquired a guy who will be in their starting rotation next. Year. Really, we got ourselves a starter. Yes, you do. I'm very Ooh. excited. Does the nickname Doggy ring a bell? Does the nickname Doggy ring Doggy? a bell? Yeah, that's his nickname. No. You have acquired Adrian Hauser. Adrian the, Hauser from the Brewers. From the Brewers. David Stearns went back to his old team. 21 games started through 111 innings last year, striking out 96. Uh-huh. 
I, a guy starts that many games, you figure he's in this rotation. Doggy, yeah. Do you mean do? What did they give up, though? That's okay. the other okay. question. Okay, so this is according to Ken Rosenthal. The Mets are acquiring right-handed pitcher Adrian Hauser and outfielder Tyrone Taylor from the Brewers for a minor leaguer. Mm. Oh, minor leaguer. But why? So we don't know which we, minor We don't leaguer. know. It's just the deal clears money for the Brewers. Hauser projected to make $5.6 million arbitration. Adrian Hauser is a back-of-the-rotation guy. Yeah. Is his nickname Doggy? Yes, I knew you Dog. that. Oh. That's what you're obsessed with? No, well, <laughs> I, thought he was, I thought he was just mispronouncing Doogie. Dog! Well, why would his nickname be Doogie? Doogie Hauser? <laughs> oh, you know what? Let me go back. Maybe you're right. That is his nickname, clearly. <laughs> Hold on. Dog! It's not Dog, it's Doogie, because his name is Adrian Hauser. You're right. His nickname's Doogie. D-O-O-G-Y. There you go. I was thinking a bulldog kind of picture. Every time I hear you, I feel a little bit dumber. I got to give you credit, Tiki, because I didn't even pick up on that. I was too concerned about who we got a starter. <laughs> exactly. But even, the, even if he is the fifth one. He screwed up his nickname. Wow. All right. So, Doogie. <laughs> Listen, here's my initial reaction to it. It's fine because they need arms. Yes. Is Adrian Hauser a top of the rotation guy? No. But he's a guy that can make 25, hopefully more than that, starts. If he pitches to a low four ERA, that's a back of the rotation guy. And keep this in mind. If the Mets are lucky enough. To sign Yamamoto, they're definitely going to have a six-man rotation. No question. Well, about I think it. isn't that the reason you do this, right? You you trade for guys like this and hope McGill is something other than what he was a year ago, or Adrian Hauser's the sixth or, guy, or, or Hauser or Budo, whoever it is. Depending on who else they acquire, I always thought they needed to add three starting pitchers. They've added two. Not that Luis Severino coming off a terrible season and not being healthy for the last five gives you a lot of confidence. And Adrian Hauser is like your typical. I'll tell you, this will be said in our Mets text chat, so I'll I'll, I'll say it before that. Adrian Hauser's the guy in fantasy you pick up, and then you drop. You pick him up, you stream him for a start, then he's gone. I can't tell you how many times Adrian Hauser's been on my fantasy team. But hold on, let's revisit your Mets needs from pitching. You wanted a top of the rotation, a middle of the rotation, which you have in Louie. No, no, hold on. I wanted top of the rotation, an innings eater, and then a guy with a high uh, reward with a low risk. Severino's the high reward, low risk. Hauser's not that. He's not an ace. He's never shown that ability. Luis Severino has. Adrian Hauser would probably fit in the innings eater category. Mm -hmm. The problem is he's never made 30 starts in a season. So I wouldn't define him necessarily as an innings eater. I would define him, though, as a body and a guy that can give me 25 starts. And if he pitches to a low four, high three RA, it's fine. So it's... It's another one of those moves, Tiki. It's like you're watching someone paint, <laughs> and you can't fully tell what it is. Oh. Once it's over, you're like, ooh, that's a pretty tree. If Adrian Hauser and Luis Severino are the pitchers you acquired in an offseason where you also acquired Yamamoto, we're all thrilled with it. Mm. If Adrian Hauser is the last starting pitcher they acquire and he goes into the opening day as the fourth starter, then we're all like, eh, that ain't good. This is so you're, you're talking about Bob Ross right now, right? Yeah, I was talking about Bob Ross. Bob Ross, who just throws these little sponge things on the, on the, on the, on the canvas. That was my comparison. And, you're, yeah. and then he takes a little... A little piece of black and he just puts a little stripe in there yes. throws the stripes all over this the, the the canvas next thing you know you got a forest <laughs> right exactly and there's a, there's a river flowing beneath it oh there's a wind by the way that's what an off season's like right, right now the met the baseball off season is so long that like things happen and your opinion on it can't really be formed until you see what the whole freaking picture is again 
They signed Yamamoto, acquiring a Hauser who can give you 20 to 25 starts and maybe be the sixth man in a longer rotation. And Luis Severino, who's a high-reward guy, all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's not bad. But if this is it, it's not good. Does that make sense? Doogie. So that's my balanced response to Doogie Hauser becoming a New York Met. Indeed it does. It doesn't stop me, though, from giving you something that I had planned on giving you all day long. This is for you and this is for the audience. Haven't done this in a few weeks. It's time to whip out a Cinco de Evo. Cinco de Evo on Evan and Tiki on the fan. (laughs) (laughs) Now, my Cinco de Evo that I put together was in honor of Troy Aikman being second on the all-time list as an analyst. I made a top five best sports analyst of all time. So it's not just football. We're going to include all the sports. And I got my top five list. Are you ready? Analyst, not play-by-play. Analyst. All right, let's hear him. Number five. Tiki Barber. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I mean, listen, this guy's guy's good. I'm here for the coffee. That's daddy. And I've heard this from sources inside that booth. The phrase I've heard is carrying Matt Ryan. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Listen, my conversations between me and Catalan will remain private, (laughs) but I've heard that carrying Matt Ryan. So... Out of A, I think you do a good job, and B, I need to show some loyalty. I'm a foxhole guy. Thank you. Tiki's number five. Thank you. Number four. All right, I'm going to just do an f- imitation of him. We'll see if Sean can figure it out. Jason, Jason, Keith Van Gogh with the touch off the window. <laughs> Bill Raftery. Yes. <laughs> Bill onions. Raft- Why didn't you do the onions, onions. once? You're right. Onions. That would have got it right away. Bill Raftery. For a second, I was like, who the hell is he talking about? <laughs> Bill Raftery is known as a great college basketball analyst, and he is. But in the late 90s, he was the analyst next to Ian Eagle Mm. calling New Jersey Nets games. That's why Jason Chasen was Jason Williams, and Keith Van Gogh was Keith Van Horn with the kiss. So I grew up with Bill Raftery. I'm loyal to Bill Raftery, whether it was the NBA with the Nets or it's college basketball. Bill Raftery, number four. It's your list. Number three. I guess Spinarkle's next. Nah, he didn't make it. Hey, you're going to make this uncomfortable mm-hmm. now. There's a lot of guys who didn't make it. It's a top five, dude. Anyhow, play number three again because he uh, he screwed up my momentum right there. Number three. John Madden. Three. Yeah, yeah three. What? I got two guys ahead of him. I grew up with John Madden. I love John Madden. This is not to knock John Madden. Okay, what do you hate about John Madden? I don't hate him. I have two guys I prefer over him. Okay. When two, you two hear the other two guys, you'll understand. Mm. I, and I will say this to defend Evan because I don't know. spoil my list. I'm not, No, I have no idea who's coming. I will just say, as somebody who partakes in going back and rewatching a lot of old football games, I love Madden, grew up with Madden, kind of like we talked about Nickelodeon shows. A little mm. overrated. Really? Mm. Doesn't stand the test of time? Fun. Very fun. Yeah. The straight everything. But Shtick. It's, yeah. The, you game, go back the and, game was different. because uh, Even yeah. the broadcasts were different because you weren't trying to teach the game. You yeah. Was, you were, it was entertainment. It wasn't, right, uh, this Collins is what's were, happening. And Aikman are better. Just wow, I wouldn't say that. Mm, Go back okay. and rewatch more. Uh, look, he's he's number three. I grew up with him. Turducken, John Madden, the video game. I mean, uh, listen, I'm not going to waste your time. John Madden's great. The problem is there are two guys ahead of him. Number two. Tim McCarver. I love yeah. Tim McCarver. A lot of people didn't like Timmy Mac. I thought Tim McCarver was great. What about Tim McCarver made him so good that he put number two on your list? So when I was a young child, there were two people that explained baseball to me. My dad and Tim McCarver. Uh, My dad would teach me things, and then I'd watch the Mets on Channel 9, and Tim McCarver would tell me something else. And then, obviously, Tim was on Fox for many years. 
really propping up the overrated Joe Buck. So who did you believe, your father or Tim McCarver? Uh, they usually said the same things, except when Tim McCarver would mispronounce Sammy Sosa's name and call him Sammy Sosa. <laughs> but I, I love Tim McCarver. Unfortunately, we lost him, yeah. I'd say, about nine months ago. Uh, again, biased towards my childhood, but Tim McCarver taught me baseball with my dad. He's number two. Number one. It's not even close. It's not even close. It is so far and away, this guy. Bobby the Brain Heenan. Oh, God. Bobby the Brain Heenan was the best. Oh, my God. When Ric Flair won the Royal Rumble in 1992, that's Picasso. Do we even know who he's that's talking about? That's some of no, his come greatest on, work. Yes. Do You're... people know who he's talking about? Yes. I'm Bobby talking the... about you all that are under 30. What? Under 40. What? Do you know who he even is? Bobby the Brain Heenan? He's the greatest analyst in the history of entertainment. And the greatest no, no, manager. No, no. The greatest analyst in the history of entertainment. This list, the Cinco de Evo, was the greatest sports analyst. I'm mm. glad you said that, so I want to answer that. Fake. Up until about 1997. Is he when also reading a script? No, he was not. <laughs> Up until 1997, professional wrestling was treated as if it was a sport. Does he know what he was doing? Did he know what was happening? Yes. Listen, he knew it was happening well, before it was well, hold happening. Hold on a second. So when, he could practice well, it. Well, hold on. When the Undertaker would sit up out of nowhere and he would proclaim in the loudest voice, the man ain't human McMahon, he had no idea that that was happening. Hmm. He just saw the Undertaker sit up and was amazed. When Ric Flair was showing off his greatness in the 1992 Royal Rumble and he was thanking Hulk Hogan at the end of it. This is not Flair to Flair! <laughs> Like, he didn't know. Dude, I'm telling you, don't open up the phone lines because they'll embarrass Tiki. Ugh. Overwhelmingly, Ugh. this is a no-brainer. He's the greatest analyst of all time. Because he could practice his analysis I, before he analyzed. Excuse me? He knew what was going no, to happen. He didn't know what was there happening. There was a script. No, it wasn't. Yes, yes, there was. Bobby the Brain made everything up. Oh, my God. He yes. was reacting to he what made, he saw. He made it up, rehearsed it, and then delivered it live. Right. Imagine <laughs> imagine Tim McCarver knew a home run was coming in the seventh yes. inning. Yes. There's no way, and Bobby. exactly what pitch it was going to be and what inning and what the count was going to be. You think he, he knew it? He waited on that changeup and just smashed it the opposite way. You know? Look how great he keeps his bat back. That's well, an awesome technique. This is getting into the weeds here, but I, if I had a guess, I assume Gorilla knew the finishes because he's the play-by-play guy. <laughs> and Bobby, they kept him, kayfabed them, as they say, and he didn't know what was happening, so you get the honest well, reaction. I don't think Bobby knew what was happening, but quite frankly, it's irrelevant. He's the greatest analyst I mean, in this sports. This is not fair to Flair. Honestly, I, now I feel terrible that I said that John Madden was over. Overrated. Putting Bobby Heenan over John Madden, you should be slapped. The actually, great Bobby Heenan. Actually, the word should be bitch slapped. You should be bitch slapped for that. Dude, it's, I, I'm in the majority. Bobby the Brain Heenan is the greatest analyst in the history of sports. First of all, Jerry the King Waller, better. Oh, shut up. You, we will fight. No way. We okay, will we'll fight. fight. Why? Because he screamed puppies out loud yeah. like he's a 12-year-old? Waller yeah. in the 90s was awesome. It got yeah. really creepy. Uh, yeah, exactly. Background. Joe Morgan. How do you how do you leave off? Joe I don't Morgan? want to insult Joe Morgan, but he is no Bobby the Brain Heenan. Mm. I'm sorry. I mean, he's better than McCarver. No, he's not. Okay. All right. I mean, I, get, I hope you enjoy being wrong. I, you've called me out for my Cinco's. You're very wrong, and, and that's fine. And by the way, above anything else, Jeff Van Gundy. Yeah, oh. overrated. Not over Bobby. Tries bro. to be tries to be too cute. If too Jeff much. Van Gundy was a former Nets coach and then had that analyst <laughs> career. 
Come on, Evan. You'd milk them like a cow. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I hope everybody enjoyed my list. I worked very hard putting that together last night. I'm very proud about Bobby the Brain Heenan being number one. Mm. Kendrick's in Suffern, New York. Hi, Kendrick. What's up, Kendrick? Hey, guys. Uh, Ev, I owe you an apology for last week calling you a troll. Over the past week, I've recognized you're not a troll. Mm. You, you know, a few years ago in this time slot, Mike, Big Mike would use the term compiler. Mm-hmm. You are a borderline Hall of Fame conflator. You like <laughs> to use the same arguments for different reasons depending on which way the wind is blowing. Yesterday, listening to the show, you were giving Sean a hard time saying what quarterback you would rather have, Aaron Rodgers, or a young, unproven guy, and you kept going with Rodgers. Yes. Now... Now they bring up, we know what we have with these pitchers in the MLB, and you want to go with Yamamoto, an unproven, and I know what you're going to say. You're going to come back and talk about the league over there in Japan being high, you know, uh, I guess competition and, yeah. and that we don't know. It's high but quality. here's the thing. Here's the thing. I know what I've seen in the MLB. I'm not saying I don't want Yamamoto, but this idea that – Snell and Montgomery wouldn't put this team somewhere for the next four or five years is crazy. It's lunacy. The guy has won two Cy Youngs. Mm-hmm. What's the issue with Snell? And before uh, you hang up, can I just ask Tiki one quick question up, about dude? football? Yep, go ahead. So really quick, Jalen Hurts was apparently really sick going into this game. My question has always been, at what point does the starter – like take a back seat to the second string guy because if he was that sick yeah and he couldn't go like why have bench players why have backups and, and at what point does the starter have to sit yeah whether it was like Alave Tyreek Hill there was a lot of guys fantasy purposes this past week that sat that crushed me and I'm like half the time they'll go half the <laughs> yeah. time they won't uh what at what point does a starter have to sit well, I think the challenge in Philly is that Marcus Mariota is the backup. Now, he doesn't have a, a ton of success. He stinks. <laughs> That's what you're that. trying to say. I'll I didn't help you. say that. He stinks. He had, he had some moments. Mm-hmm. And I think it became an issue of if you are good enough, not like 100% healthy because he's not. And by the way, I don't think he's 100% physically healthy, like ankle, knee, etc. But – if you if you're a hundred percent, not a hundred percent sick healthy, but you feel good enough, you give us the better chance. I think that's what it ultimately comes down. Just to answer your question directly, it's do you give me a better chance in the alternative right. to give my team success? And the answer was yes. The re- look, the reason that the Eagles lost that game was not because of Jalen Hurts. Their defense. It was Matt Patricia playing, uh, throwing. Too predictable of defense. Dude, the backup quarterbacks right. on the field, they can't score a touchdown. Right. They got to go 92 were, yards were, and your defense they failed. Were too predictable in those moments. And James Bradbury's playing like a shell of what he was oh a year my ago. God, he and got so, picked on. And so, right, it wasn't Jalen Hurts' fault. In fact, they kind of, I mean, they, they played a little bit better than they have offensively in the last couple of weeks. But he had to play because the last thing the Eagles could afford was losing again. Now right. they lost again, but if Marcus Mariota is the quarterback, I don't even think. 
I think I think the uh, they don't have as much of a chance to even have that lead. I that agree game. with you. So I agree with you. I think he had to play because he was better than Marcus he, Mariota, even if he was a little bit ill. Let me address his point because this is something Sean wanted to bring up earlier, which is like this idea that I'm being hypocritical. That yesterday, in a completely separate argument, I said I would rather risk it with a 41-year-old Aaron Rodgers, a 40-year-old and 41-year-old Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. than drafting a young quarterback and hoping that guy develops. Right. And for some reason, Sean and Kendrick, who I like a lot, is somehow saying, well, that's hypocritical of what you're saying today about Yamamoto, that you'd rather risk it with the young unknown versus the more reliable older starter. So here's what I would tell you. I'm going to make this very, very simple. And I'll give you a new argument as opposed to I trust what I've seen in Japan. I'm not even going to give you that one. I'll give you this. When quarterbacks are taken in the first round of the NFL draft, mm-hmm. their success rate is what? What do you think it is? I think it's high. I think it's average. I think it's low. Not just the Jets. Quarterbacks taken in the first round. And you can go play that game. This go is on like, football This reference. is like the hit, ra- the hit rate. Now, you know what? I'm not going to answer the question because I am going to take a you-know-what all over his argument. So just answer it. I don't know the answer. I'm asking you. Oh, okay. I thought you had the number ready. I think that rate is lower than the success rate of someone coming from Japan and succeeding. That's what I'm saying. So I get that way, and I appreciate him listening every day. So you say, hey, your argument. Especially recently. Thank you. Okay. And I think that's very self-explanatory. So there isn't any hypocrisy. We're talking about completely different things. My view on the risk of drafting a young quarterback versus a Hall of Famer coming off an Achilles. And then this discussion, which is, would you rather sign a 25-year-old from Japan who hasn't thrown a pitch in the major leagues versus a 31-year-old multi-time Cy Young Award winner who you're banking on pitching well over the next five years? I'm saying if I'm making the bet and it's a gamble, all of it's a gamble, Tiki, I feel better about my bet on relying on the unknown pitcher from Japan versus drafting someone in the first round and hoping that I'm capable enough to develop them. Yeah, at least it's at least with the baseball pitcher from Japan and I'm I'm on your side here, at least they're playing the game similarly to how it's going to be played in Major League Baseball. The challenge with college football is it these guys, half these guys take the, the play from the sideline, right. right? They're not even communicating to the team what the play is. And then all of a sudden you get into the NFL and it's not just communicate the play. It's it's like 15 words long. And then you got to check to another play that might happen instead. And then you got to get up to the line of scrimmage, make it right at the line of scrimmage, and then execute. So Tiki, just, Tiki agrees it, with me, Sean. It's not the same game for young players coming into the NFL. Now, the reason I think they fail at a higher rate Mm -hmm. is because we've increasingly pushed them to start right away. And and so all of a sudden, after year one slash two, we're like, yeah, this guy just can't make it. Now, if he had sat and learned and then started playing in year three, we'd have a better, I think, grip. It's like being in the minors, right? Or in the case of Yamamoto, it's pitching four years or five years in, in the NPL. So you agree with me? So I do, but Thank it's you. circumstantial. Yeah. Okay. Here's the pushback. Number one, there's only 32 starting quarterback jobs in the NFL compared to five times insert amount of baseball teams. There's the 30 man. baseball teams. I'm not going to do five times 30. It's okay. 150. Okay. So think about it. So there's a higher chance that even if 
like you brought up, Yamamoto, you could pay 300 mil for, but what would you be happy with in the career? Even if he's not a stud, you can, you know, lengthen your argument about what the reliable is. Quarterback, it's so finite because you only have one of those jobs at a 32. Right. Also, like if he fails, you're, you're screwed. Yes. Okay. In the NFL draft, out of the last six years, there have been five drafts that the hype was there's at least one, if not multiple big time quarterbacks. In all five of those drafts, we have had slam dunk elite studs come out of the draft. So for all your hit rate thing, when the hype has been there, sure, there have been misses. But around those misses, other guys that were hyped up have absolutely hit. Like, by the way, this draft is being hyped up with a couple quarterbacks. Yeah. The only year there wasn't was the year we were like, eh, do we take Kenny Pickett, Malik Will? Everybody knew that wasn't a bad draft. Every other year, well, there's no, been a stud. You knew, it, you knew it was a bad draft. Right. You knew it wasn't. The other drafts that were supposed to be good, every year there's been the at hit least rate one, is if not. still lower than the hit rate of a guy coming over mm. from Japan and succeeding. No, what it tells you there's is no... if, you, if you scout right, like you scout the Japanese pitchers right, you're going to hit. And the other thing is... Again, if this argument is being brought up, there's a big difference between Aaron Rodgers and Blake Snell. Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Yes, he's old, but I'm risking that I can get something out of him versus a guy in Blake Snell who walks five guys per nine innings and you're hopeful. He's 40 off an Achilles! Whatever, Blake Snell's 30 off of walking oh, five you, guys per nine innings. Uh, you should be so much stronger the way you move goalposts. I mean, you pick them up and I move them like nobody's any business. goalposts at all. I've been very consistent about this. Let's go to Evan in Union, New Jersey. What's up, Evan? Hey, nothing much. Um, I was curious about that list that you had just, yes. uh, just now with the analysts. What do you think of – I know you're not going to like this, but John Lynch, you know, I think he got a GM job because of his analyst performance. Uh, he was <laughs> – I, I, I thought he was immaculate. Um, and then, you know, uh, Dennis Miller. What are your thoughts on, uh, on Dennis? I, I got to tell you, Evan, Dennis, that's I, I almost forgot about that. I, you just said that. I liked Dennis Miller. I liked that experiment. I even liked Tony Kornheiser when mm. he did it for a few years. What about Clyde Frazier? Yeah, that's a you, Listen, I've gotten a lot of uh, yeah, text and tweets about this. It's no, a bad I, miss. It's not a miss. I'm going to tell you why he didn't make it. Go ahead. I'll be honest with you. You think he's corny? No, I love Claude Frazier. Okay. Just because you're not in my top five doesn't mean you're not great. You said he's corny. That's okay. I never said he's corny. How dare you say that, Evan? <laughs> oh, Evan. About a legend. Jeez. I got no issues with Walt Claude <laughs> Frazier. He's cool as hell, man. I just, like, look at the five guys. I'm not taking Bobby out. That's that's done. I'm not taking Tim McCarver out. I'm not taking uh, John Madden out. I can't take you out. All right, you know what? I take Tiki out. Walt Claude Frazier. Bill Raftery, I'm also biased with, I admit, I growing will, up as an offense. I will seed my fifth spot okay. for Walt Clyde. Yeah, you're the Frazier. reason Walt Clyde no. Frazier didn't make it. How does that make you feel? No. This is why Clyde, Clyde Frazier should be out. Why? And maybe it's before my time, so I'm I'm missing this point. All five guys you mentioned all do games on a very national level. No, 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 no. Dude, you're not disqualifying Clyde because he didn't go national. But think about all five you got, guys you put in there I understand that. that. I understand that. I'm not... Walt Clyde Frazier, in my opinion, I have no information to back this up. I'm giving you an opinion. I bet you Walt Clyde Frazier could have done national. And mm. I bet you Walt Clyde Frazier was like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, I don't yeah, want to. But, but I, like Ron, being, I like being a Knicks legend. Yeah. Ronnie and Keith are better than McCarver. And what I just that? assumed you weren't counting them because they're only local. No. I'm not counting Ronnie and Keith because as much as I like them, they didn't make it. They didn't teach him baseball. Like, I like Keith, mm. but there yeah. are, I have criticism of Keith once in a while. I mean, I'll be honest with you. It doesn't mean I don't like him. But Tim McCarver, and, and I admit, I'm biased because of I grew up with them. Like, I'm sure if there's a 25-year-old listener right now saying, dude, I grew up with Ronnie and Keith, those are my guys, I get it. There's going to be a bias towards that. My list was biased towards 
Guys I grew up with. That's why Bill Raftery, as a Nets fan, had the edge over Walt Clyde Frazier. The truth is I should have taken Tiki out. I was just trying to be nice. Yeah. You. Yeah, I mean, you just didn't All want right, to get take crushed. take me out. So who do you want? Walt Clyde Frazier. All right. There you go. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Why would we stop it? Again, Joe Morgan over him. Uh, uh, but I didn't, give, give me John Flaherty. I don't too. think Joe Morgan, Joe Morgan was okay. I'm not going to rip him, but he was like, eh, he didn't do it for me. I'm just being honest. Let's go to uh, Bill in Otisville, New York. Hi, Bill. Hey guys, how you guys doing today? What's up, Bill? We're doing very We're well today. Tiki's been annoying me sometimes, but for the most part, <laughs> I love him. He's great. All right, I'm going to say this, Tiki. I love you, big Giant fan, but I'm going to push back on the Bobby the Brain Heenan. Oh come on! He is the greatest analyst of all time. Dude, he the knew it was going to man. He might have known the finish, but he doesn't know everything right, gonna, that's I'm going gonna, on in the. I'm going to listen to Bobby the Brain Heenan. Will you in this break? When we take a break uh, he, in a couple minutes, I'm going to No, no, here's to what you're going to do, and Bill's going to sign off on this. You could listen to her in the break. I respect that. You're going to go home tonight because are you watching Nick's Nets? You're going to be glued to Nick's Nets? I guess I have to. After Nick's Nets, <laughs> you're going to want to talk about it tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe for two minutes, <laughs> depending on the result. <laughs> um, when you're free tonight, I, what I want you to do is I want you to log on to Peacock. I want okay. you to put the Peacock on. Oh, I have, right, I have Peacock right here. Oh, perfect. I want you to put on not the entire event, okay? Mm-hmm. You don't have to watch the entire event. You don't have to watch Roddy Piper beat the Mountie for the IC title. Just don't tell me that. what I'm searching for. 90- <laughs> I mean, the match was only 30 seconds that Roddy beat the Mountie, <laughs> right, so it really so wouldn't be that 1990. 1992 Royal Rumble. And I want you to watch the entire Royal Rumble. It's about an hour long. Okay, it tells a great story. I want you to watch the entire thing. I'll give you another one to watch. Bret Hart, Razor, Ramon. They fought for the title at the following year's Royal Rumble. I want you to watch the beauty of Bobby on the mic. WrestleMania 7 is another great one from Heenan. The retirement match with Savage and Warrior. I was just explaining it to Sean. You know why? I can't do that. Why? He's going to cry if he watches that. But Bobby's line after it was amazing, which I think would get him canceled today if he said it, but it was hilarious. (laughs) And I'd have to explain the story also for the line to hit, but it was so... Classic Bobby. Yeah, but if Tiki watches Macho Warrior from Seven, uh-huh. he's going to cry. Why? People Be- in the stands dude, were crying. Dude, that's emotional stuff, man. That's emo. You can't do that. We have to explain the, the angle to him? I'm not explaining the angle. The bottom line is it'll make you cry. <laughs> that was 91, right? WrestleMania uh, 7, I think. All right. Yeah. Watch that and then get back to us tomorrow and then tell us Bobby the Brain Heenan isn't great. Ryan's in Tarrytown. What's up, Ryan? Thanks for taking my call. So I'm a Mets season ticket holder, and I was really excited, hopefully, to get Otani to get me out to the ballpark more often. But I got a question for you, Evan. Yeah. If we're in the playoffs, or the Dodgers are in the playoffs, and Otani's the H, can he come in to pitch the seventh or something? It makes him more valuable, doesn't it? <laughs> you know what's funny about that? We're not there yet, and unfortunately, he's not a Met or Yankee to get down the rabbit hole of can Otani come out of the bullpen and be the H? The answer is yes. Uh, yes, the DH can then come in and play a position, but then you lose the DH. So if Otani comes out of the game, like, does he come out of the game? Even with the new Otani rule, I don't think he can go back in DH. Bottom line is, don't get me down this road. I would have loved to have gone down this road if the Mets had gotten him. Like, that would have been fun, breaking down how Otani could be used. But he's a freaking Dodger, so who the hell cares? Mike in Brooklyn. Hey, Mike. Hey, how are you guys? Thanks uh, Thanks for taking my call, and happy holidays. Happy Likewise. holidays, sir. Okay, so so I'm a Met Dolphin fan, so I have two points. If you could just uh, just listen to, I, I really appreciate it. Yeah. First of all, with the um, yeah, first of all on the Met side, as far as Yamamoto, would I love to get him? Of course, but I think that we have way too many other holes in our lineup to get him. First of all, I much rather have I much rather go after, say, take that Woodruff contract for two years. Yes. So this year he doesn't. 
This year he doesn't pitch. Next year we have an ace. Yes. And, I, don't, I, wouldn't, I, don't, I don't know if I'd call him an ace coming off an injury, but the idea of signing an injured Brandon Woodruff to a two-year deal where he doesn't pitch this year, but you have him for next year, I am not against. It's a smart long-term deal. Okay. So we also need Montgomery. As far as we also need bats. Solaire, we, we need a left fielder, mm-hmm. and we need a third baseman. Solaire and Turner, and then probably two bullpen arms that are sub-450. Listen, I understand Stearns, and he wants these over-450 reclamation projects. But listen, we need conduits because we have say even if we got Yamamoto, right? So we have Yamamoto. Say he has to get used to the uh, the American ball yeah, and all that yeah. stuff, like Sanga did. He had so he pitches once a week. Sanga pitches once a week. Sevi has is a question mark, and you still have McGill with a question mark. The only guy who, who eats in is, is Quintana. Well, so who's the conduit? They also just added Adrian Hauser about in the last forty five minutes, who made about twenty two starts for the Brewers last year, low to mid four ERA. Let me answer it this way. The beauty of Yamamoto is not just simply how you're plugging away at 2024. It's the fact that if he lives up to what you think he is, you have an ace for the next half a decade, maybe more. That's the appeal. And aces are very, very tough to time in base, tough find in baseball. So I don't disagree about adding a third baseman or adding a left fielder, or maybe even adding a second baseman and moving McNeil to the outfield and an other arm out of the bullpen. I get all that. But big picture, wouldn't you rather have a guy, not that it's an either or, who can not only help you this year, but be a potential ace down the road. I'm stuck in a rabbit hole on WrestleMania. <laughs> he has no idea what you said for the last three minutes because you've been going, Hulk versus who? He's down to Bobby say? the Brain. By the way, real quick, hot take on Bobby the Brain Heenan. Yeah. He did not, and I repeat, did not spoil Hulk Hogan's heel turn. Okay. Did not spoil right, it. We're not breaking down Bash at the Beach, that was Bash 1996, but thank you very much. He did not spoil much. it. Who's right. in character. So watch Bobby the Brain Heenan. Don't do it right now during the show. But at some <laughs> point, you will admit he's one of the greatest broadcasters uh, of all time. And that's why he's number one on my Cinco de Evo of the greatest sports analyst of all time. Jim's in Port Jefferson. Hi, Jim. Hey, Evan. Hi, Jim. What's up, man? I lo- Listen, I look forward to 2 o'clock every day. Love Tiki. Love you guys. But Evan... Uh, do you still sleep in like a race car bed? Because Bobby the Brain <laughs> Heenan is—it's sports entertainment. It was scripted. Yeah, and you're putting him in a category of uh, you know professional sport announcers. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You're damn right. I did. I was thinking about putting Jesse the Body Ventura in there too, but quite oh frankly, oh my god, but, oh, you're killing me. But quite frankly, I think he's overrated as well. <laughs> Speaking of race car beds. I end up I end up sleeping in my kid's bed like every single night, and he's had issues getting scared and all that. So it's nothing, nothing. You know, we're working on it. But if he has a race car bed, I would have loved to have answered, "Yes, I do, sir." Uh, uh, every single night. What kind of bed does he have? He has a regular bed. Just oh, so yeah, that's interesting. Are there any other kinds of beds that you can get besides race car beds for kids that they love? Like, what do your daughters sleep in, Sean? Do they sleep in, like, queen size? Not queen size, but, like... No, full size regular. No, I didn't yeah. mean that. I meant, like, it's like a, a kingdom bed or something no, cute. Like a princess we or something. We used the comforter sheet. Yeah, they, they go princess theme with that stuff. Gotcha. But not the bed. No. And I hope. I don't need to see be walking through Target and see a freaking castle theme bed. I don't need that right now. You know what? Mm. The holidays have cost enough. Those are pretty badass, though. I know, but then I know it's a must-buy. I tell you this, I don't even know if this exists, but Jim just put this in my head. My oldest son, Jet, is really into wrestling. 
Like really into the WWE. You want a okay. WWE bed? Yes! Like the ring? Yes! No, you don't want that. Dude, why not? Because it sounds like a good idea until you can't stop him from jumping on the bed all day long, running against the ropes back and forth. I'll be joining him. Oh, you <laughs> pathetic man. <laughs> We're going to be having wrestling matches in there. If they haven't created that yet. Our last caller just nailed you. What, that I'm a 10-year-old? Yes. <laughs> I am. That's why he had two sons, so he had friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Hello, SNY, by the way. The show, is, the show is delivered to you by Grubhub. More of your calls at 877-337-6666. And a couple of giant things I want to get to coming up next, including going to Philly this time of year, and also why this game, and forget the playoff odds. Forget that for a second. Why this game is really, really important for this New York Giant franchise and Brian Dable. We'll discuss it coming up. Before we get to the Giants, I heard something this morning out of the mouth of uh, G, Greg Giannotti, that I wondered about. He said, I hope I get to the point in my marriage where we don't have to exchange Christmas gifts anymore. <laughs> and I heard that, and I thought to myself, oh, when the hell would that ever be the case? Oh, see... <laughs> You're going to be surprised at what I'm about to say. You don't exchange gifts with your yeah, wife. Yeah, me and my wife don't even do that. What? Oh. I heard that, and I was like, oh, gee, I mean, I'm, I'm already there. Like, me and my wife, we exchange gifts, birthdays, just because I'm thinking about you kind of stuff. Father's Day. But for Father's Day, Mother's Day, all that great crap. But for Christmas, not mm. even a thought. Come and on. I was wondering, am I in the majority, or you, is he? I think you are in the minority. So G wants to get to the place where right. I'm at, where he doesn't right. have to. Where he doesn't have to. <laughs> so I'm lucky is what you're saying. You are very lucky. Of all the things that Evan acts like a child about, of yeah. which 10 minutes ago we learned he wished his son had a wrestling ring so he could play in it. <laughs> I don't look. As his bed, by the way. <laughs> I get it. I'm a dad, and, and there's nothing better than seeing your kids open up some presents on the holiday. It's fun. But still, as a kid, now grown adult... You don't ever wake up to something under the tree, even no. if it's one thing? No, and, and maybe oh. this is where I am the adult, and me and my wife are the adults. Yeah. Our focus on Christmas is squarely on the children. But why can't it squarely be on the children, but you also get a... Now, look, financial means notwithstanding. Come on. You don't want to open up and wrap a little something? No, I'll tell you why. I don't. I actually really? don't. Really? I hate it. Tracy will tell you all, if you ask her. I hate it. So why does she gifts. still get you gifts then? Does she still get you gifts? Because she can't help but give, give, give gifts. Because she loves Christmas she, it's, so much. It's, it's exactly right, Evan. <laughs> she loves it so much. It's literally one of the most important days of the year to her. I get that. So but... she loves getting gifts. In fact, she starts shopping in like February. <laughs> and so there's a room in our house, or at least a closet in one of our rooms in our house, that I'm not allowed to go into. Oh, my God. And the kids aren't. She locks the door. It's a Christmas like She has room. to pick the door. It's like the Christmas store Christmas room. from the inside. Wow. Good for so Tracy. Nobody could yeah, go in there good for her. because there's gifts starting in February. Now, does she expect a gift from you? Of course. Have you gotten it? I yet? have not. You still haven't gotten it. It's I December twentieth, dude. Hold <laughs> Tiki, I'm not going to give away anything. You were ripping out pages of a catalog in November to yes. get your wife something. You still haven't gotten. It? I still have not gotten that gift. Is that because she holds a very high standard on what you actually get her? No, I'm just terrible at getting gifts. I know, but you were working on it a month ago. I'm the greatest procrastinator in the history of procrastination. Are you going to order it, or are you going to go into a store? No, I'll go into a store. I am. I am an express shopper. Like I don't go in and like, oh, maybe this one. Oh, maybe this one. I walk in, get what I want, and walk out. I'm with you, man. I am in and out quickly, and so I I do a lot of prep <laughs> so that I don't have to think when I get into a store. Because I hate being in stores during the So holiday. you would like your wife to get to the point where me and my wife are, where she's like, no, I don't, I don't have to get anything. me a gift. And by the way, that's what I tell her. I don't need anything. Yeah, but if she, she still, still wants something and still gets you something, 
it doesn't matter what you want. You need exactly. you, you need them both to be on the same page. Right. So you too, Sean? Like you still have to get something for your wife? Yeah. And like by the way, she might lean more towards like she doesn't care. I will feel as if my year was completely robbed and we did not celebrate oh, the holiday fun. Oh, if you God. don't get something. In fact, I'm insulted that my mother gets more from my kids now than she does me. Like you're my <laughs> mom. What the hell's wrong with you? Like I had kids and you're suddenly jealous of your kids. When I first got married, my mom would still get me like a ton of stuff. Now it's like I get one thing, my kids get a ton. Of, I'm, I gotta be honest with you, you're still my mom. <laughs> but here's why I don't need a gift from my parents or my wife or anybody. You're and gonna say what I think. Go ahead. If I want something, Thank I'm you. a grown damn man. You're right. That's if, exactly what I say. If I want something, I go get it. If no. I need it, I'll go buy it. Yes. This is why that sounds good in theory, but here's the problem, right? Life gets in the way. Something, you know, you need something here realistically, this, that, the other thing. Christmas, unfortunately, or fortunately, is the one time where you can kind of pig out a little bit. Be a pig because yeah, it's but, like acceptable piggishness. But, but, Sean, if you need something, the last thing you want to do is wait two months to get it. Exactly. All right, yeah, but that's why I don't like unwrapping a pair of socks for Christmas. But, like, <laughs> on about, I'd say, I'd say three weeks ago, I came home and I said, you know what I want? Very expensive gift. You know what I want? I want a new iPad. This one, the one I'm holding right now. <laughs> I want a new iPad. And so I expressed that to my wife and I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy it right now. I sat down in my Barco lounger, and I literally spent 10 minutes buying myself an iPad. And I remember at one point, she's like, you want me to get it for you for Christmas? And I was like, why do we even have to go through that song and dance? <laughs> you don't like, want to be in your PJs under the tree unwrapping? No, I want it, because of what T said. I wanted the tablet by the next day. Yeah. I don't want to wait till Christmas to open up this tablet. Let me just buy it right now. And the money's the same. We're married. Yeah, right. you know what? Her you know money's what? my money. My money's her money. What the hell's the difference? A new Facts. net pullover something. Okay. Here's the difference. I have kids. Mm -hmm. So yesterday, because we're going to Florida, Spence and Jet gave me their Christmas gifts. Who the hell do you think picked out the Christmas gift? <laughs> Mama did. So it's a game of semantics. Yes, they got me a gift. I loved it. I said, thank you, sons. You guys are the best. And yeah, maybe my wife guided them a little bit. And so did Jet actually make a decision? Sure. But the point is, why are we doing the song and dance? The kids are getting you a gift. It's really from your wife. So why do you then need another gift from your wife? When I heard G say that, I was like, I'm already there, bro. Mm -hmm. Like, aren't we all there? But clearly, I'm not. You're not. You are. No. You are G's the in minority. the majority. I am like a freak. No, you, you are. Monday morning, we're going to wake up. The kids are going to wake us up. They're going to go through their gift opening. Our dogs are going to open their gifts. And then me and my wife are going to open ours. And it's two hours of greatness with cinnamon buns in the air. Mm. Wait, are we supposed to get our dogs a gift? Mm, I guess so. <laughs> oh, no, you know, bro, we don't, open, it. We don't open our gifts until like 6 o'clock. At night? At night. Really? Yeah. You wait all day on Christmas Day? My wife wants to wait all day on What's Christmas What's the thinking day? behind this? But she I'm wants curious. to be special for her. For her? Oh, so the kids open in the morning. Yes. Then. Oh, yes. oh, my God. Oh, I, I could understand <laughs> I that. Yeah. The kids. No, 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 no. I can't imagine telling my kids wait all day. Or the gift is something sexy like lingerie or something. Oh. Or a pajama gray. Uh-huh. The new nighty. <laughs> so you're never going to get to the point of not exchanging gifts? I, I mean, I would love to. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can have a conversation with her. I'm not going to have that conversation. <laughs> have your wife have a conversation with my wife? <laughs> I'm not telling her to have that conversation. Your wife is so obsessed with Christmas, she has a room in your house called the Christmas room. <laughs> I mean, you think I'm messing with that? Jeez. All right, so I guess I'm crazy. Me and my wife are crazy, but I like it this way. It's simpler. Birthdays are enough. Valentine's Day, Mother's mm. Day, Father's Day. There's already enough days where we're exchanging gifts. And also, can I give some... <gasps> enough days?
crazy. This is the gift day. Can I also give some advice? And I, I love know, the birthday. You don't even do this. And I do this all the time. Give your right? wife a gift randomly for no reason. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's always a reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, there isn't. Mm-hmm. No, literally. Oh, really? I bought her something a few weeks ago. There was no reason. There was no apology. There was no Nets game I was going to. Okay. There was nothing. It was literally, honey, I love you. And by the way, the whole idea of gifts when you see something, mm-hmm. I'll give you a great example. Six months ago, I was talking to my electrician. Okay. He's a great guy. His name is Rocky. Put him over right now. And Rocky was telling me about these awesome bobbleheads. He's like, oh, dude, they got these amazing bobbleheads. The wrestlers, they look just like the wrestlers. And they got the old-time wrestlers. And he starts naming Bobo Brazil and Bruno Sammartino. And as soon as he said that, I was like, holy crap. Did he have Bautista on there? Dave Batista? <laughs> did you go down a wrestling rabbit hole? I did go down oh, a rabbit hole. And he ended up with Batista. And I was like, wait a second. That guy's an actor. He is an actor. He's in Guardians of the Galaxy. That is true. <laughs> what the hell? When this guy told me about the bobbleheads, I bought in that moment my dad, my father, a Bruno Sammartino bobblehead. And that was it. And I gave it to him. It wasn't for Christmas. It wasn't for his birthday. It was, hey, I think my dad would like that. I'm going to go get it for him. And he appreciated it. And he appreciated it. I do the same thing with my wife. So that's my advice to my fellow husband. You know what gift you gave me? The tip. (laughs) I know what you're doing over there, big boy. What the hell just happened? And by the way, we do that all year. It's called every time Amazon shows up my stoop, I don't know what I've bought, but I bought something for you. Yes, that's exactly right. (laughs) I understand. Let's go to Ralph in Staten Island. Hey, Ralph. Hey, guys. How we doing, guys? Merry Christmas to all. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, sir. What's up? All right, Evan. I'm gonna I'm gonna add four names to your list. My okay, list, of course. By the to. way, if you're just tuning in, was my Cinco de Five on the greatest sports analysts okay. of all time. Go I ahead. Was, I was removed yeah. at the end. All right. Yes. You got you got Phil Sims. Yeah. You have Merlin Olson. You have Bob Truppy. You have John Davidson, and you have Joe Micheletti. Yeah, they're all solid. Nah, good choices. They don't make the list. I mean, no offense. Like Joe Micheletti's great. I like Joe Micheletti. He's not in my top five, but I appreciate it. Leo's in Brooklyn. Hey, Leo. Hey, what's up, guys? How are you guys? We're good, man. What's up, dude? What's up? I was going to talk about Yamamoto, but it's kind of boring now. I'm just- <laughs> <laughs> You're over it. Yeah. We, I'm over it. It's why I'm trying to get negative on it. <sighs> You're funny. And I just want to bring up something I want to pick your guys' brains on. I want to say you guys feel about it. Uh, like, Giancarlo Stanton's agent, like, bashing the Yankees. And, like, how is it in the tone in that clubhouse, like, so he's, so he's basically spiting his own team. I'm not saying Cashman was right about doing that publicly, but he's not wrong. Like, he was 100% right, Cashman. Yeah, but, but you don't say that as a general manager. It's unprofessional. I get it. But let me just finish my point, please. Yeah, yeah. So as Aaron Judge, as a captain, you basically spite your own team, potentially obtaining free agents because why? Because Yankee fans, we don't appreciate a guy that makes $30 million. Why? Judges his boy to go to Drake concerts together because they're boys. <laughs> so we can't have a say because they're boys. Like, Derek Jeter would not allow that. We don't know what's going on behind closed doors, but it's all aura around the Yankees. Like, another example that ties into it. Why is Cameron Maben saying that Yankee fans don't appreciate John Carlos Santos? Why is Cameron Maben giving his takes about, about facial hair policies when Michael K said, and this is very true, what he said, I don't, I don't agree with everything Michael K says, but he says, and never stop the and never stop the potential acquisition or free agent or trade coming here. Right. No one ever. Leo, said you said a lot of things, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to put this all together on a puzzle because yeah. you went here and you went there and you right. went here. The first part I heard was the Cashman criticism of Giancarlo Stanton. Right. It ultimately feels like he was talking about the clubhouse at the Yankee, at the Yankee Stadium. Well, but his criticism of Giancarlo Stanton always being hurt, and then his agent coming back mm-hmm. and firing back at Cashman, it means nothing. 
I mean, think about it. Stanton's agent is the same agent that's representing Yamamoto, and we haven't heard for a second that that's actually going to cause right. any issue between the Yankees signing Yamamoto. That story Because is, ultimately it comes down to money. Of course. And, and it comes down to what your client wants. Like, it doesn't matter. You know, uh, Spike Eskin could go rip my agent all day, and I might defend him and say, hey, lay off more. He's a good mm-hmm. guy. But ultimately, is that going to keep me from staying here if I want to stay here? No. So I don't think it matters. No, it doesn't. As far as Cameron Mabin's concerned, I like Cameron Mabin. All right? I thought he was very good on Yes Network. I'm sure. I'm not sure why he's there anymore. You know what Cameron Mabin's doing? He's doing the same thing a lot of us are doing. He's giving opinions. Yes. And that's what he's paid to do, by the way. Yeah. He's paid to give an opinion. It might not be the most popular one, but he's going to give an opinion. I'll tell you one opinion that he's right about, that last opinion about the facial hair. What is this, 1979? Mm-hmm. Enough with the facial hair. No one's saying it's kept them from getting a free agent. You're right. That hasn't happened yet. That doesn't mean it won't happen, Mm -hmm. and that also doesn't mean it isn't stupid. Just because it hasn't kept you from a free agent doesn't mean it's not dumb to tell a grown man, you know, you can't have a beard. And you know what? I'm biased now because I'm growing my beard out in solidarity with Pete Alonso. So, yeah, I'm a beard guy now. And you know what? I think the Yankees are dumb. I think the policy is stupid. I think it should go away. And I think for the most part, it's just a bunch of old men screaming about, well, George used to do this. Shut up with that. Ban the policy. I'm with Team Cameron Maven. Anything you'd like to add there, T? No. Just ironic coming from a guy who's growing a beard for a Met. <laughs> are you trying to say I'm biased right now? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> I think I've always thought that. I think I thought it mostly when I saw Alex Verdugo's, uh, like, cheeks naked. Yes. Wait, you know, I, that's not what I meant. You know what I meant? Like, his cheeks on his face. <laughs> when I saw Alex Verdugo's face naked, I was like, what are we doing? Anyhow, Sean's got a Cinco de Fivo that may go over better than the Cinco de Evo. And Giant fans, believe it or not, forget the playoffs. There's a lot on the line on Christmas Day against the Philadelphia Eagles. And we'll go through why this game matters more than maybe you realize. 